Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome back. July 2nd, 2021. As we wrote in Last Best Hope, those of us around in 1976 remember the bicentennial that marked the 200th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. It was a grand and joyous celebration of the country's birthday and founding principles. A year of parades, flags, tricornered hats, fifes, drums, tall ships, fireworks, the Freedom Train. It came at a somewhat uneasy time. The country had been through the Vietnam War. Watergate, race riots, high inflation, Middle East war, and an oil crisis. The Bicentennial helped pull Americans together. It helped us remember our great history, achievements, finest aspirations. It made us proud and grateful to be, a near, to be Americans. Since then, nearly half a century has passed. As of this writing, we are two years away from the 200th, 250th anniversary of the Boston Tea Party. A little more than four years away from the 250th anniversary of those first shots heard around the world at Lexington and Concord. And five years away from the semi-quincentennial of the Declaration of Independence. What kind of celebration will it be? What kind of celebration will this weekend give us? We were told by the president we could have gatherings and barbecues with friends and families this 4th of July if we behaved. Have we gotten that report back yet from the president? Did we make the naughty or nice list? Is anyone asking? Abraham Lincoln once warned that the further we get from the miracle of the American Revolution, the less likely we are to appreciate it. Quote, this state of feeling of patriotic pride must fade, is fading, has faded with the circumstances that produced it, he said. The scenes of the revolution, like everything else, must fade upon the memory of the world and grow more and more dim by the lapse of time. Our freedom will crumble, Lincoln said, unless we make efforts to sustain it, to furnish all the materials for our future support and defense. Those materials, Lincoln believed, included general intelligence, sound morality, and particular reverence for our Constitution and laws. And, of course, an appreciation of our past. This was also the main message of Ronald Reagan's in his farewell address to America in 1989, as much as it was his calling card message entering on the political stage in the 1960s when he said for the first time, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and hand it on for them to do the same, or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States of America, where men were truly free. This sentiment bookmarked Ronald Reagan's entire career as a Republican, first uttering it in 1961, then ending his presidency with the same message in 1989. It must have been something important. Ronald Reagan, that he would bookmark, excuse me, 
that he would bookend his political career that way? You would think so, no? But if it was, so should it be to us. Since 1976, since 1989, we've reached a time when I fear a patriotic pride isn't always as strong as it used to be or as strong as Lincoln would like or Reagan would have liked or a lot of Democrats who were Democrats in the 1970s and 1980s would have liked. Television reports and political websites are often full of cynicism. Many express doubts about American motives on the world stage. Some Americans seem ready to believe the worst about our leaders and our country as well as their fellow Americans. The country is divided. The eminent historian Alan Guelzo even believes we are the most divided since one of the most epic events in history, the Civil War. I believe, as you know, we are even more divided. Then it was about one big terrible thing. But students in South Carolina read the same history of the United States and literature books and poetry as students in New York back then. Today, I'm not even sure students in South Carolina read the same history of America they read in other parts of South Carolina. I know it's not the same history they read in California and Pennsylvania. We don't even agree anymore on math. We don't agree on what year America was founded. We don't agree on why America was founded. We don't agree on mathematical certainty because 2 plus 2 doesn't have to equal 5 as some, excuse me, doesn't have to equal 4 as some state school administrators and boards are proposing. We don't agree that certain heroes are heroes anymore. Martin Luther King used to be a hero. He also used to be controversial to the non-left. Today he's controversial and to invoke him is racist to the left. By the way, Martin Luther King and his followers always marched with the American flag. Just so you know, I can see why the left doesn't like him. One can imagine the commentaries from elites in the media and academia as 2026 approaches. One can imagine it as this weekend approaches. The Boston Tea Party patriots who disguised themselves as Mohawk Indians were appropriating a culture they ravaged. That shot heard around the world was all about power and empire. Founders were rich, white men, greedier for their own liberty, but intent on oppressing and enslaving everyone else. And, of course, all of it came over 100 years after 1619, which is our new founding date, as if George Orwell were disinterred and put in charge of our national curriculum in the Department of U.S. History. We've experienced an awful lot of running down of this country. Our national anthem asks, Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave over the land of the free and the home of the brave? It's a good question because it asks, Are we teaching our children to proudly hail that banner? Do we still laud our country as the land of the free and the home of the brave? We know that answer. In a strange twist of fate and thought, it's more popular to oppose the anthem and to stand for it. But may I say a few words about the anthem and flag in our country as we head into our 245th birthday? They are the words of William Rehnquist, signed off and concurred with by Byron White, a Democrat put on the Supreme Court by John Kennedy, per my earlier point about Democrats of yore. Quote, one immediate result of the flag's adoption as our official flag was that American vessels harassing British shipping sailed under an authorized national flag. Without such, the British could treat captured seamen as pirates and hang them summarily. With a national flag, Americans were treated 
as prisoners of war. During the War of 1812, British naval forces sailed up Chesapeake Bay and marched overland to sack and burn the city of Washington. They then sailed up the Patapsco River to invest the city of Baltimore, but to do so it was first necessary to reduce Fort McHenry in Baltimore Harbor. Francis Scott Key, a lawyer, had been granted permission by the British to board one of their warships to negotiate the release of an American who had been taken hostage prisoner. That night, waiting anxiously on the British ship, Key watched the British fleet firing on Fort McHenry. Finally, at daybreak, he saw the fort's American flag still flying. The British attack had failed. Intensely moved, he began to scribble on the back of an envelope the poem that became our national anthem. Go look at it. Go read it. It's about six lines. You can hear and smell the stench of racism in that, can't you? Of course you can't. But Colin Kaepernick, Gwen Berry, Megan Rapino, and so many others certainly can and tell us that song is drenched in racism. The American flag played a central role in our nation's most tragic conflict when the North fought against the South. The lowering of the American flag at Fort Sumter was viewed as the start of the war. The southern states, to formalize their separation from the Union, adopted the stars and bars of the Confederacy, creating their own flag. The Union troops marched to the sound of, quote, Yes, we'll rally round the flag, boys, we'll rally once again. President Abraham Lincoln refused proposals to remove from the American flag the stars representing the rebel states because he considered the conflict not a war between two nations, but an attack by 11 states against the national government. By war's end, the American flag again flew over an indestructible union composed of indestructible states. In the First and Second World Wars, thousands of our countrymen died on foreign soil fighting for the American cause. At Iwo Jima in the Second World War, United States Marines fought hand-to-hand against thousands of Japanese. By the time the Marines reached the top of Mount Suribachi, they raised a piece of pipe upright and from one end fluttered a flag. The ascent had cost nearly 6,000 American lives. The Iwo Jima Memorial in Arlington memorializes this event. President Franklin Roosevelt authorized the use of flags on labels, packages, cartons, and containers intended for export as lend-lease aid in order to inform people in other countries that it was the United States that was helping them. During the Korean War, the successful amphibious landing of American troops at Incheon was was marked by the raising of the American flag within an hour of the event. Impetus for the enactment of the federal flag desecration statute in 1967 came from the impact of flag burnings in the United States. The impact of the flag burnings in the United States on troop morale in Vietnam. Mendel Rivers, chairman of the House Armed Services Committee, testified, quote, that the burning of the flag has caused my mail to increase 100 percent from the boys in Vietnam, writing me and asking me with all the flag burning in America, what is going on? In America. The flag symbolizes the nation in peace as well as in war. It signifies our national presence on battleships, airplanes, military installations, public buildings from the United States Capitol to the thousands of county courthouses and city halls throughout the country. Two flags are prominently placed in the U.S. Supreme Court. Countless flags are placed by the graves of loved ones each year on Memorial Day. The flag is traditionally placed on the casket 
of deceased members of the armed forces, and it is later given to the deceased family. Congress has provided that the flag be flown at half-staff upon the death of a president, a vice president, and other government officials, quote, as a mark of respect to their memory, close quote. The flag identifies the United States merchant ships and the laws of the Union protect our commerce wherever the flag of the country may float. No other American symbol has been as universally honored as the flag. No symbol has been more burnt, destroyed, trampled on, and stomped on in the last year than the American flag. In 1931, Congress declared the Star-Spangled Banner to be our national anthem. Congress declared June 4th, by the way, national anthem, okay? National anthem, national song also known as the Star-Spangled Banner, which is a euphemism for the American flag. Congress declared June 14th to be Flag Day. In 1987, John Philip Sousa's The Stars and Stripes Forever was designated as the National March. Congress has also established the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag and the manner of its deliverance. The flag has appeared as the principal symbol on approximately... 33 United States postal stamps, and then the design of at least 43 more. The government did not really establish any of this or create any of this. Our history and our people did. John Paul Stevens would write, The flag is more than a proud symbol of the courage, the determination, and the gifts of nature that transformed fledgling colonies into a world power. It is a symbol of freedom, of equal opportunity, of religious tolerance, and of goodwill for other peoples who share our aspirations. And it is a symbol for what, God please, we all will continue to fight for, at least right here. Wishing you a happy 4th of July and Independence Day. As we head into the show, it's your show. What are two or three things you love about this country? I'm Seth Liebson. Let me know. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602 We're going to be celebrating our country today. And uh, anything you want to um, ask uh, or call us about that um, uh, will help help us do that. Tell us something you like about America, something you're going to be doing for the 4th of July. That would be great. Uh, love to have it. Uh, love to uh, promote it. 602-508-0960. We, uh, <clears throat> we're the first, uh, I think, to talk about this yesterday when uh, the stories started breaking about these messages Facebook was sending users, and we spent a fair amount of time on it in the first hour yesterday as well. But a couple more things were occurring to me as I was thinking of it. So the story is that users are getting basically two messages from Facebook. The first one asks, are you concerned that someone you know is becoming an extremist? And that's in bold with a message that says, we care about preventing extremism on Facebook. Others in your situation have received confidential support. That's interesting, isn't it? Others in your situation have received confidential support. You wouldn't necessarily think where people are making use of or utilizing some kind of help program, um, especially when it comes to emotional or psychological support, 
that you'd be able to have a uh, prefab statement. Others in your situation have received confidential support. Nonetheless, that's one of the messages. The other one is uh, a message that says your first name and then, comma, you may have been exposed to harmful extremist content recently. Violent groups try to manipulate your anger and disappointment. You can take action now to protect yourselves and others. Spot the signs, understand the dangers of extremism, and hear from people who've escaped violent groups. Well, a lot of unwitting people who might not be uh, sophisticated about what's been going on ideologically or on social media if they haven't particularly been playing in, in the game of politics, but may have a friend or two here and there who have promoted something conservative or Republican, they, they won't know any different. And they, of course, most likely would go and get the support from experts. Who wouldn't if you're worried uh, about being infected by the virus of hate? Who wouldn't? So you go to uh, the organization that Facebook has partnered with to find out where you can go. I mean, to, um, to, to, the, to the landing page, uh, the landing website they have partnered with to go for help. It's called Life After Hate. They've partnered with an organization called Life After Hate. And they tell you up front, we can help. We were founded by former violent extremists. I'm wondering Antifa, whether underground, maybe someone who was recruited by ISIS or Al-Qaeda and spent some time there, maybe the PLO. Nope, nope, and again, nope. They say violent extremists from the far right. It's just the far right they care about. They write, we spent years of our lives committed to the idea that violence is the best way to make lasting political and social change, but eventually we learned that this way of thinking is counterproductive, exhausting, and dangerous, and was costing us way more than we were willing to pay. The people who helped today find themselves on a similar journey. Many of them realize that violent extremism has led them to places they don't feel good about. Often they feel like it's holding them back. We don't talk about ideology course not they've only already talked about it right wing isn't ideology we help guide people to a place where they can make the best decisions for themselves i'll tell you it makes me want to wretch not only are we turning people citizens into stool pigeons and karens reporting on one another and tagging one another creating files for facebook on complaints but we have made it a wholly political decision something akin to the criminalization of politics that we saw in the Soviet Union. Listen to this mission statement. You want their mission statement? Couldn't be more clear. Life After Hate is committed to helping people leave the violent far right to connect with humanity and lead compassionate lives. Our vision is a world that allows people to change and contribute to a society without violence. If you thought the violence last year that took dozens of lives and cost $2 billion and saw mass resignations on police forces across the country was a problem, you get no help from this group. They are not interested in any of that. What they're interested is in 450 misfits who got together on January 6th that can be used as a Reichstag fire to tarnish the entire party. I have a lot more to say about this, and we'll do when we come right back, and we will be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Before I continue on what I was talking about with the anti-Americanism of Facebook, let's hear about the positive and pro-Americanism of Olivia in Phoenix. Hello, Olivia. Hi, Seth. How are you? We are blessed. Too blessed to be stressed. I like that. Is that your bumper sticker? Too blessed to be stressed. It's not my bumper sticker, but I had a T-shirt that said that. I love it. I love it. Well, good for you, Olivia. What are you guys doing this weekend? My husband and I uh, listen to you on our way home every day. Aren't you sweet? And um, we just just love you, Seth. You're awesome. Well, you're very kind. Thank you. What do you and your husband do? We actually own a cafe in Scottsdale. Do you? Yeah. We actually have catered for you guys. I know who you are. Yes, you have. You want to mention it? Go ahead. Arizona. Which I can very much vouch for, Forum Cafe. It's nice to hear from you, Olivia. Uh, are you guys open this weekend, or what are you doing? Are you taking the time off? Um, yeah, we're never open on the weekend. Okay. So, um, yeah, because we're Monday through Friday, breakfast and lunch only. Yep. But the reason I'm calling is because you said to call in and say what we love about I America. I did say that, yes. You did, and we have a lot of things why we love America, but um, most of all is freedom of just our freedom, period. Mm-hmm. We, my husband, Carmelo, watches a lot of the military, you know, um, documentaries on TV. And when I see all these soldiers from World War One and Two and Vietnam, who are young kids that gave their life for us, it's just amazing how how so many things have changed in this day and age. But we're thankful so much for freedom of religion, for just our freedom and freedom of speech and to put our flag up in our home and to travel across the country and not be, you know, monitored. <laughs> we uh, were recently in Mexico a couple weeks ago, and, man, what a what a difference. We're so, so blessed to be in a country that has our freedoms. And people have no there. idea, Olivia. God love you for saying it. They have no idea. A friend of mine um, went to Mexico recently and had to pay $700 to get out of uh, capture uh, from the cartels. I mean, people don't understand what it means. I mean, we say it, and it trips off the tongue, doesn't it? Law and order or rule of law is one of the special badges of our Republican uh, government, right, or our democracy. We say it all the time. We have no concept of what it means. Can you imagine if you went on that family vacation to Mexico and you had $600 worth of cash? Sorry, not enough. Thank God they had seven or had access to it. Uh, People don't understand that. This is the country right below us. And people ask us why we should give a damn about whether we want to filter who comes in from there or not. Meanwhile, Americans that go over there get kidnapped. But we shouldn't ask why the people flowing up from there want to come here. It makes absolutely no sense. If you give a damn about America and human rights, it makes no sense. (laughs) And, you know, I have about 200 relatives in Mexico. Do you? And Yes, I do. And I love them to death. But, you know, I, I, I wish there was a way to bring them all here. But, you know, you got to go the right way. Did you You've come here from Mexico right originally, Livia? My mom is. Can My I tell is. you, this is about the most controversial thing I've probably ever said in, save 17 years of radio. I'm about to say it. And I want to run it by you. And I'm going to maybe get in trouble for it, but I'm going to say it anyway. We're going to test the limits of free speech here. You ready, Olivia? Someone I know 
who is, um, I don't think 21, I don't think even legal to drink yet, is uh, from Mexico and has done a lot of work in uh, restaurants, different industries, just a hardworking young girl. And she spends part of her time in Mexico, part of her time here, legal. And she said, you know, working in the restaurants that I have, especially the kitchens, I think Americans' problems aren't really about race. It's just that the racial minorities don't know it. She said, the people who are here, it, it's, about, it's, it's about immigration status. The people that come to America illegally would give their right eye to be an African-American with papers in America. They, would get, they have no idea what they're talking about with regard to BLM and systemic right. racism. She said they would give everything to be a black American. Immigrants right. who have worked in the kitchens from Mexico who are here illegally and can't get what needs to be gotten together to work on legal status. She said they would give their right eye to be a black American who had citizenship. Do you agree with that? I agree with that. You're welcome to stay. I have to take a break if you want to explore it more with me on the other side or say other things. I'm happy to sure. hear you. Okay, thank you. And others can join. 602 Do you agree with that proposition? I think it's an interesting one. I think it has validity. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. It's so quiet around here, it makes me think what I just said either has uh, Media Matters and their lawyers immediately filing complaints with the FCC or others are beginning to write letters to condemn me, or it was so bleedingly obvious it was um, a statement that really didn't have moment. I'll repeat it, Olivia. Uh, the observation of a friend of mine who is spends part-time part of their time in Mexico, part-time here from Mexico, legally here, and working in the kitchens has said that people who think that America has a racial problem and is divided by race have it wrong. They just don't know it. The issue is citizenship. There is not a illegal worker in a kitchen, and I've met uh, many from different countries, she said, mm -hmm. that wouldn't give their right eye to be an African-American in America. They have that no understanding so what this BLM business is all about. None. That is so true. And that's one thing you definitely don't see in Mexico is any racism whatsoever. And they do have some diversity there. It's not just all Mexicans. But one of the reasons so many people want to come to America says, I have relatives who live in gated communities that are very wealthy. And I have relatives in Mexico who live in very, very poverty-stricken areas. My aunt was my favorite aunt in the world. For years, she could not, her, she, her, she had to leave her husband because he was an alcoholic. But there's no um, food stamps there. She worked out of her little kitchen and baked, and, and she was a seamstress. And she did that to, to provide for herself because, and for her three kids. And she did that all her life until her kids were grown up, you know? And not only that, but where she lives, because it's a poverty-stricken area, they monitor, they actually control their water. Because in the evenings, not everybody can just take a shower. Yep. You can't water your lawn. The things we know, take for I mean, granted. Oh, my gosh. There's times when, 
you know, she can't even take a shower because there's a dribble. So they have these big, huge metal, like, trash cans with water in case they needed to just bathe themselves. Wow. That's how poor it is. Wow. It's, I mean, people have no idea, and I know this is going to sound silly, but here, we go to Walmart, we go to Target. If we buy something and we want to return it because it either didn't fit or whatever, you know, you don't even think about it. We it's just changed our minds, so I don't like the color after all. It looks exactly. different in the store. There's no returning yeah. things in Mexico. Interesting. You can't do it in I Mexico. did not know that. I did not know that. Oh, my gosh. My aunt is, like, blown away when she's seen me return things anytime she's here visiting. And she goes, wow, you can't do that over there. <laughs> you know, it's a little thing, but there are... No, no, no. From the pedestrian to the major, uh, you, you find me a category where America is second to any other country. You cannot. You simply cannot. Which is why it just strikes us so, 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 so ungrateful, but also so unreal that we're living in a world that's telling us how bad this country is. It just strikes us as you almost don't know how to argue the point. It's almost like trying to argue with an insane person. It's almost trying to argue with someone who thinks they're Napoleon. Exactly. We are so blessed to be in this country. My husband was Carmelo was in the army for 20 years. And when he had to do time service, you know, serve in Germany. He said when he got off that plane in Germany, he said uh, he saw a lot of soldiers with machine guns. And and he's like, wow, you, you just don't see that here. You know, you just don't. You just don't. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like to think a little bit. Speaking of Germany, I like to think a little bit about, you know, the differences in countries when you think about what East Germany used to be. This was a country that had to build a wall to keep its people in. People wanted to flee. They had to build a wall to keep people in. We are a country that has to build a wall to keep people out. There is a moral difference, and it's not a little bit of a difference. It's all the difference in the world, and people simply don't understand that. They they don't. Fourth of July is my favorite holiday, and it always will be. We live in the greatest country in the world, period, end of story. Well, I can't thank you enough, Olivia, for your testimony and for your help in making it a better country than it would have been without you. And we thank you, Seth. I mean, think about it. To have conservative radio, you can't have that in other countries. So we're very thankful that you, that 960, the Patriot, is alive and well. We're very, very thankful. And we thank God for you and Larry Elder and Mike Gallagher. Did you see the news about Larry Elder? It's out in the public now. Did you see the latest about Larry? By the way, by the way, I need to thank you for what you said. Sorry. Thank you very much for what you said. I I mean that sincerely. Did you see the news about Larry? I didn't because we've been working all day. Well, this will make your weekend. He may run for governor. Oh, my God. Yeah. In California? Yeah. Yeah. It turns out it turns out he's been talking it up amongst some friends and it caught wind. And uh, he went on another radio show today. I think it was Seb's, if I'm not mistaken, saying he is serious. He said he is seriously considering it. Now, I know Larry well enough to go out on a limb. You want the limb? All right. Second time I get in trouble in this. I'm getting I'm getting fired by the end of the show. I'm sure (laughs) I'm going to go out on a limb knowing Larry as I do. I don't think he'd say he's seriously considering it if he were kidding around. I just don't. I I agree. I agree. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? Now, it has its own merits when you think about it, because 
There are two problems. I, I'd like to spend a second with, uh, with the audience on this for a second, uh, for a moment, because it has a couple, a couple initial thoughts and a couple anti-conventional thoughts. First of all, the initial thought is, oh, yeah, a Republican in California. Stop that. Stop that. California, when it has come to propositions particularly, votes very conservative it, uh, it, or, or tends to. It just voted to, uh, to not uh, restore racial preferences in education last November. It was the most underreported story in the country. But Californians, by uh, a large majority voted not to restore affirmative action racial preferences in California. Um, California um, is an interesting place in that maybe there hasn't been a good Republican who has stood up uh, and that can convince other Republicans to vote for him. See, the candidacy of a Larry Elder, the candidacy of too few, but I wish more of, and I wish state parties, state Republican committees would start doing this and engage in recruitment efforts. They don't. I wish they would. They want to find candidates, as a friend of mine once said, who give people a reason to be conservative. Not just candidates who tell you they're conservative, but candidates who can tell you why they're conservative because they can hold the hand of non-conservatives and bring them along occasionally here and there and get them to come and vote for you. Larry Elder is uniquely that kind of candidate. There's not another candidate I can think of in California outside of Dennis Prager, other than Larry Elder, who could do that. Dennis isn't thinking of running, but Larry is. So I think he gets every single Republican. You know, part of our problem is Republicans who stay home. I think he gets every single Republican. I think he reaches down into certain communities uh, that might be considered POC that haven't voted Republican or voted at all when he speaks to the issues that he is so passionate about, including welfare, crime, education, and fatherlessness. I think he gets a lot of people who haven't voted before. And the most important of all, I'll tell you when we come right back. Why was I thinking of Paul McCartney in this context of this song the other day? I'm trying to think of why I was. I don't remember. 6025080960. Oh, I do remember now. It was a game I play with some friends. Um let me um let me say this about this new um this new play by Facebook to expose or rather have you have individuals expose friends, family, and acquaintances to the authorities at Facebook for engaging in extremism and right-wing extremism at that? Because that's the only one they care about. They've told you that. It's only right-wing extremism. They do not care about Antifa. They do not care about uh, radical Islamist extremism. They do not care about anything other than right-wing extremism. Here's the reason I worry about that. If someone wanted to know, well... Because not everyone's as politically astute as everyone else. Well, I don't know. What's right wing? What's right? What constitutes right wing extremism? Well, so you might Google what constitutes right wing. And if you go, who, uh, John, who was that survey from you sent me the other day on social media and conservatives and liberals paying less attention to news after the election or after Trump who did that was it was it a Pew study or was it do you remember was it an Atlantic or Pew study who did that one of the major what was it 
Yeah, it was Axios. You're right. Thank you. Axios, which is uh, constituted of people who used to work at the Washington Post, so Washington Post expats. Uh, Axios did a study on uh, right and left viewership, and they labeled as right wing, right wing, the Federalist, thefederalist.com, which is uh, – let me tell you how right wing it is. The head of the Federalist is Meghan McCain's husband. Okay? That's how right-wing the Federalist is. The Washington Post and the New York Times and AP will routinely, routinely speak of the Heritage Foundation as right-wing. So if you cite a reasonable piece from the Federalist or a study from the Heritage Foundation... Be prepared to be reported as an extremist. I give you the Soviet Union and Brezhnev and the abuse of psychology and sociology all over again. My friend Jim was asking if this is something out of Rules for Radicals because Facebook is obviously doing the bidding that the Democrats in power can't legally do under the current interpretation of the First Amendment, but certainly social media private companies can. Yes, they are doing their bidding. He asked if this was out of a page from Rules for Radicals. You bet. Several of them. And I'll tell you about them when we come right back. 602 Your show. We'll be right back. <laughs> 